This evening, I am going to start this uh, reflection with a confession. I'm not very good at spontaneous hospitality. You see, I'm okay if I've planned it, when I've invited guests on a certain day, at a certain time, and then I can make sure the house is clean and tidy, well, at least the rooms that are gonna be on view. And I can make sure I've got the right food or the right snacks. However, my first thought, if somebody visits me unexpectedly, can be a sort of mild panic. What is the state of the kitchen, the sitting room, the bathrooms? Now, just to be absolutely clear, I'm not saying that we live in chaos and dirt at my house. But you see, it's deeply ingrained in me to tidy up for visitors. My mother even taught me to tidy up the sitting room before going to bed, just in case. And I still do. In today's Bible passage, there are two protagonists. There is Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, and he is the unexpected host. And Jesus, he is the unexpected guest. And so spontaneous hospitality is right there at the center of this story. Now, of course, I think it's highly unlikely that Zacchaeus panicked about the state of his house or whether his larder could cope when Jesus invited himself for this visit. After all, being very wealthy, he had an army of servants to look after it for him. But you know, when I reread this passage, I was aware that my habitual response was, I wonder if the house is ready for a visit but more of that later. Let's go for a moment back to the start of the reading where we heard that Jesus had just entered Jericho and was just passing through. You see, it was coming up to the time of Jewish Passover and Jesus and his disciples were on their way to Jerusalem. And later on in the chapter of Luke, we hear about Jesus um, borrowing a colt or a donkey. And these are the, the events that we remember when we celebrate Palm Sunday. Now, on this journey, as ever, Jesus was very focused on where he was going, but he was also looking and listening out for those people and situations that the Holy Spirit was highlighting to him on the way. And here, in Luke 19, the focus falls on Zacchaeus. Now, we know Jesus is listening out intently spiritually since he uses Zacchaeus' name and calls to him up the tree. Yes, of course, he, Jesus could have turned to someone in the crowd and say, anybody tell me who that guy is up the tree and found his name out that way. But we do know that Jesus, Jesus often knew things spiritually without people having to tell him. Like he met a Samaritan woman at the well and he knew how many husbands she had had and the fact that the man she was with at that time was not her husband. But what I'm always intrigued with is the way Jesus so often focused, like a laser, on the deepest needs of those he seemed to randomly encounter in his everyday life. And if we look at what Jesus says and does when meeting individuals, we can often get an insight into what that need might be. And the person themselves might have no idea it's there. Like when Jesus meets a rich young ruler and he challenges him about his relationship with his wealth 
asking him to give it all up and follow him. So let's take a moment and see what Jesus says to Zacchaeus as he calls to him up that tree. Does it tell us anything about the need that Jesus sees and wants to meet? Now, we know he's up the tree because he wants to see Jesus, and Luke has already told us he was too short to see anything if he was standing in the gathered crowds, so that's why he went up the tree. So what does Jesus say to Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Well, we're told it didn't go down very well with the crowds who muttered amongst themselves, oh, he's gone to be a guest of a sinner. Now, that's a theme we see in lots of places in the Gospels, that Jesus was seen to be mixing with the wrong crowd. And the tax collectors were definitely seen as the wrong crowd. Because tax collectors were Jews who'd chosen to work for the Roman oppressors. And they were collecting taxes to fund secular activities and pagan gods. So they were seen as traitors. But to make matters worse, many tax collectors were also known to sometimes feather their own nests by frequently charging more tax than was required and pocketing the difference. Traitors and cheats. So you can imagine that they weren't particularly welcomed but made outcasts by society. Why would anybody want to have that job apart from the money? I'd like to share tonight a personal reflection about Zacchaeus choosing to be a tax collector. You see, I wonder if there's something here about his small stature. It's quite possible that this might have brought him pain over the years. He must have felt the impact as a child or amongst men that he was different. And maybe he was treated differently too. Maybe made fun of, bullied, belittled. Something tax collectors did have apart from making money is they had a level of power. Maybe it gave Zacchaeus a status and authority that compensated for the rejection and hurt that he'd experienced. And of course, Luke tells us, he's not just any old tax collector, he's the chief tax collector. But when he encountered Jesus, there was no challenge about his wealth or his dishonesty. Instead, Jesus chose his words in a way that spoke right to the heart of being an outcast. Rejected because of physical difference, maybe. Definitely rejected because of his job. Jesus' words spoke straight into Zacchaeus's deepest need. The need for acceptance, belonging. And so Jesus invited himself into his house to be his guest eating with him and probably even staying the night. And Jesus didn't condemn him in any way, but in grace and love, Jesus' words and actions demonstrated his full acceptance of who he was in God's eyes. A true son of Abraham, 
And to feel that full acceptance in public, Jesus called him that in front of the other guests and the household. And what was the impact of Jesus touching and healing this need for acceptance in Zacchaeus? A truly amazing transformation took place. Firstly, Zacchaeus calls Jesus Lord. So there has been a deep spiritual change. And then knowing that he was fully accepted, fully forgiven, he is freed of the need to gain status by his wealth and power. And so he offers to compensate all those he had cheated at least four times over and give half of his wealth away to the poor. What an impact unconditional love and acceptance can have. I was reading recently about rejected lambs. Those lambs, for some reason, that the mother has rejected. And the fact is, no matter how hard you try, you cannot reunite them. She will not take them back. And these little lambs hang their heads. And if the shepherd does not intervene, they will die alone and rejected. But if the shepherd himself takes care of them, holding it close, keeping it warm and fed, eventually it will be strong enough to go back to the flock. And guess who runs to the shepherd first when he calls to the flock? For that little lamb now knows the shepherd's voice intimately. You see, it's not that this lamb is loved more than the others. It just believes it is because it has experienced love one on one. Deep down within every human heart is the need to be fully accepted, to belong. And when that's lacking, what do we do? We look for something else to fill the empty space. And so it shapes our behaviors, our choices, affects our relationships. And there are so many in our society who face rejection, being made to feel they don't belong for all sorts of reasons. Color, disability, sexuality, being homeless. You know, just this week on the news, there was a little eight-year-old girl who had just received a new high-tech pair of prosthetic legs. Apparently they had some sort of mechanisms that read the way she was walking and the knees bent automatically. And she said this about her new legs. I can walk normally now. These legs make me feel included. And Jesus knows personally what it feels like to be rejected. We've heard those words read by Ollie in Isaiah, who said he was despised and rejected by others. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised. Jesus lived our life. He shared our human experience. He knows. God knows. 
And of course, it doesn't stop there. Although Jesus was sinless, he took our sins on that cross. And as Isaiah said, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Peace. Peace with God, no longer separated because of our sinfulness, fully accepted and fully forgiven. And today, here and now, Jesus still offers that unconditional love and acceptance and brings his peace and his healing. No strings attached. No, when you've sorted yourself out. Jesus offers to be everyone's special guest, to come and live within this imperfect human frame permanently by his Holy Spirit, and no one is left out. His grace encompasses everyone. And there's no need to have that moment of panic that the house of our life is not clean and tidy enough for Jesus to come in. All we need to do is admit it's a bit of a mess and invite Jesus in. And then we then gradually work together to tidy it up, to clean up the mess as Jesus shows and enables us. But who will offer this divine love and acceptance to those who are living still with rejection? Who will tell them the good news? No, who will show them the good news? Who is it in our families, our churches, our communities, our nation, who need to receive unconditional acceptance? Who needs us to be like Jesus, who accepted Zacchaeus before he changed? For in God's kingdom, true change, true transformation comes because we are first unconditionally loved and accepted. You see, we love because God first loved us. And as we take this journey of faith, that acceptance and love and forgiveness is active in our lives every day. And Jesus offers us healing too, like he did with Zacchaeus. Healing of hurts, rejections, big ones, small ones that we've all experienced in life. So my gentle challenge tonight is twofold. Firstly, will we ask God to help us see others as he does and to let the love of Christ flow through us, bringing acceptance and healing to all, not demanding they change first. And secondly, will we let Jesus come into those deep places in our hearts? Maybe hurts and rejections we've hidden away for years just so we can get on with life. And in a moment, we will have time to do just that. Now, memories may have been stirred by what I've been saying and so I invite you to offer those to Jesus when we come to our time of prayer. But if that's too much, please be kind to yourself and just sit in his presence and let him touch you. For we have come to meet Jesus here and he has met us 
if he is now asking us for permission to come into our lives, to come into those places where we need healing, what will we say? Will we say, yes, Jesus, be my guest?